Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk to you, and, and we're going to simply call tonight reflexes. Reflexes, and I've uh, got a couple ways that I'm going to go with this, but if you're taking notes, we're just calling it reflexes. There are two types of reflexes that I want to talk about, maybe many more, but I, I, I just want to talk about a couple of them. And what I want to talk about is conditioned reflexes and reconditioned reflexes and speak to you a little bit about that. Um, do you, you know how, and what I'm about to say is, is conditioned reflexes, and so it can explain that. You know how certain stimuli trigger certain memories? Uh, those, that is conditioned, conditioned reflexes. And let me give an example of that. Maybe it's a, a sight that you, uh, something you see or a sound that you hear or a, a smell that uh, can unlock memories that take you back and to a memory that you had maybe thought you had forgotten, but a smell takes you back or, or something like that. I, I can hear a tune from a song from the 80s. Oh, yeah, from the 80s. My kids are listening to 80s music because we were just cool in the 80s. Oh, I see a lot of folks that weren't in the 80s and you're a little offended. Well, the 60s and the 50s and the 70s were, oh, I see some love now. All right. But the 80s, but I can hear an 80s tune and take you and and go back. I mean, and just go back to what was going on and a memory because sound kind of does that, smell does that, different things do that, sight does that. Uh, I I can smell a certain perfume and go back to a time in my life, um, the perfume would be called, and you are hoping that perfume better be something Adina wore. But it was. It was uh, when we first started kind of flirting with each other, she was wearing all the time a perfume called Perry Ellis. And it just smelled heavenly. The angels handed her the perfume and she dusted herself with it. But I'll never forget, I was at Vinnegan's in the Galleria Mall in Houston. I was raised in Houston, and unbeknownst to me, Adina had come down to visit me. We had just started dating, and she kind of surprised me, came in. I was with all my buddies at Vinnegan's, and they knew it, but I didn't. And this, these hands were put around my eyes at Vinnegan's, and they said, they said, guess who? And she didn't say it, but they said it. My friend said, guess who? And as soon as I smelled I smelled Perry Ellis, and oh, baby, ha, heart started racing. Of course, I said Adina, and, and then and life will never be. I, I just got to move on, or I'm going to get all hung up here. But you can get, you can have things that take you back, smell, all those different things, those conditioned reflexes. I'm going to read from the Bible here from, uh, because all four Gospels record the story of Peter denying Christ, and I want to tell a story from Luke chapter 22 and verse 60 and bring out some things maybe you hadn't seen in the Word of God or tried to. It says that, that, that right as Peter was denying Christ the third time that a rooster crowed. 
And, and that's all up in Luke twenty two sixteen. It reads as this. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. He said, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Everybody say three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. This had to be the most painful failure of Peter's life. He had another, other failures in his life, but this had to be. I mean, when you, when you deny Christ and get caught in it, and oh man, must have been painful for him. And I have to wonder if Peter felt a twinge of guilt every time. Now, we're talking about condition reflexes here. Every time a rooster crowed for the rest of his life, what do you think? I mean, let's use common sense. I think he went back to that moment. Would you agree with me on that? Because it's conditioned reflexes that when the rooster crowed, I mean, all his life he heard roosters, you know that. I mean, the Bible didn't tell us that, but just common sense. He heard them all of his life. They lived in farming communities, and the, he heard the rooster crow, and he would take, be taken back to that moment of a failure in his life. I've got to think the sound of that rooster crowing had a psychological effect that produced feelings of guilt in Peter's life time and time again. I, um, we, we lived in Austin, obviously, before we moved here. And our first place to live in Austin, we lived in a duplex or whatever that we were in. And we, we happened behind us, yes, in Austin, there was like this farm. And, and uh, it's probably skyscrapers now. But at that time, it was a farm and a rooster they, they had, like, I, I promise, they had to have, like, all of the roosters in Austin in there. Because I was raised in the middle of Houston. I'd really never been around roosters in the morning time. But they like to talk a lot. And I, with that, really got on Adina and I's my, uh, nerves. And, 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 and they, they rule the roost. And they have this pride thing. And they fight. And... And they get mad and they're territorial. And Dina and I really learned this. Um, a few years ago, uh, at our 10th anniversary, the church sent us to, on a trip to Hawaii. And we're just, just amazingly kind. And thank you so much. I say that again. It was awesome. But they sent us, one of the places, they, they got our rooms for us and all that stuff. And one of the places they got for us was a, 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 an old sugar plantation in Kauai. And it was gorgeous. But it... You didn't stay like, it wasn't like a motel deal. It was like, it was these old plantations all over this huge piece of property. Well, if you know anything about Hawaii, I promise you a rooster is, surely must be the national bird. No, I'm, I'm serious. Hawaii is gorgeous. The, the chickens and roosters would drive you nuts. And, and it just so happened that all of them based their camp at that place, ten plantation, uh, it just had to be, and all around our house, not one, but all around our house in this area, roosters lived, and they're territorial, and so they fought, but they just didn't go in the morning. I mean, all day. Ah, ah, I mean, it was just, it was just driving, driving, drive crazy. So, but uh, imagine, so I can imagine that that sound that I don't, I, I'm, I don't enjoy hearing a rooster crow. Maybe you do. It's just this rough, crude sound, and my sister-in-law can do it really well, but um, 
I can imagine when every time Peter heard that rough sound, it was rougher on his heart than it was on his ears. Because it was conditioned reflexes and it must have been tough on him as a daily reminder of his failure. It's conditioned reflex. Now let me tell you what the enemy wants to do. Satan wants to remind you at all times of your worst failure. He takes you back to that, that, that worst failure moment in your life. And over and over again, he wants to crow like a rooster every morning and take you back. Can I get a witness? And, and I know you got failures. And I know you got mistakes because so do I and all of the biblical heroes do. But and you can just know that the enemy loves taking you back to that moment. And it may be a smell. It may be a sound. It may be something you see. But the condition reflexes takes you back to that failure. And it happens over and over again. And some people have such a tough time getting beyond that and living for God. And the annoying memory of yesterday's failure sings in your ear with a pride of arrogance that a rooster has. And it sings out and it crows. And it's just, oh, it just works you over. Tonight's message, I really, I was thinking here a few minutes ago that I almost wish I would have done this on Sunday because I wish everybody could hear what I'm saying and I might do this again on a Sunday sometime because I, I want everybody to hear what I'm saying because so, much, so many of us have these seasons in our life, this time in our life where the enemy brings us back and it's so annoying that the guilt that it produces creates feelings all over again that that maybe he just didn't forgive you. And I know, I know that Simon Peter had that. I just know it. I just know it. And, and, and all through our life, you know, God calls us to be revolutionaries, and, and yet we end up being reactionaries. In other words, he calls us to be uh, our reflexes reconditioned, but so many times we react just the way we've been taught. We react in marriage. We react, react with anger. We react, you got anything in our life, if that's what we've been around, we can, our reflexes are conditioned that we react the same way again. And then it brings us back to that moment. And we think, man, I can never get past this point. And he wants to... Jesus wants to condition our reflexes. He doesn't want you to just get in the church and get saved and justify and Holy Ghost filled, water baptized. He, that's all wonderful, but he wants to do something. He wants to recondition you. Amen? He wants to recondition your life. Why? Because he wants to condition our reflexes that, that, that things that have been anchored in, in, in guilt and fear. He wants to come in and Turn them around, recondition our reflexes, that we have peace, that there's no condemnation. He wants to recondition, he wants to condition our reflexes uh, in a way that instead of hating our enemies, we do this crazy thing and we for, forgive them in areas that they've persecuted us. That doesn't happen, just you've got to have some reconditioning for that to happen. It doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't just come the way you've, because in the way you've been conditioned in life, that's not, how, I mean, it, Jesus turned the world upside down with his teaching. And Jesus said that whoever keeps his life will lose it. That's reconditioning. And whoever loses his life will keep it. And when we get slapped on the cheek, 
We don't slap back. We turn the other cheek like, what? That's not how my conditioning works. I get back. I have recompense. I, 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 get, I get even. But he's reconditioned us. And the enemy wants to condition our reflexes with bitterness. Boom, I reacted with bitterness. But through forgiveness, God reconditions us with a pure heart. He takes forgiveness and he manipulates our heart and, and, and these issues that are going in. And, and when they come back out, they're just not the way they've been conditioned in the past. When you, before you got in the church, maybe you would have responded one way. But now, after you've been reconditioned with Christ and you're in this process of discipleship and he reconditions you, what comes out on the other side looks completely different than what went in because you've been reconditioned. For what it's worth, I think it's easy to act like a Christian. It's much more difficult to react like a Christian. But we have been reconditioned. And we've been reconditioned by something called grace. Now, I want you to fast forward to John chapter 21. And what I'm about to bring out is just really beautiful. And I, I hope it jumps out at you because, oh, I love these moments in, in the Word, okay? And, and watch what's about to happen. It's John chapter 21. It's post-denial. So, you know, all Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going out to go fishing. Now, and I, I suppose it's possible that Peter wanted to just go fishing. I mean, he, that was his past career. That's what he did for a living until Jesus called him off the boat and says, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he, the Bible says he left his nets behind and boom, he just followed him. He just left his boat and gear and he just cruised. And then all of a sudden, John chapter 21, he says, I want to go fishing. And this is post-denial. And But a part of me wonders, and you think with me and let your imagination go and come and land at your own spot on it. But, but there's a part of me that wonders if Peter thought his career as a disciple was completely over with after that big denial thing. Wouldn't you think? I mean, like, okay, maybe I can be a believer, but like being in that special group, maybe being in the disciple, maybe being in the chosen, I think, that, I think my days are behind me in that. I was reminded of that this morning because I heard that rooster, and my conditioning says that it's, it's just going to be this way, and I failed one too many times, and you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going back to the boat. I think I'm going to get my nets back out again. The Bible doesn't tell us that he's going back into that career, but what do you think? I don't know. I'm not saying, was he maybe testing the waters to see if that career is still open? Is my boat still sitting there? Are my nets still there? Is there any former thing that I can attach itself to? Because I'm going to tell you something, I think my days of being a disciple is over. And there's nothing that Satan would have loved more than for Peter to, 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 to 
spend the rest of his life on a fishing boat. There's nothing that Satan will love more than for him to cash in, get on a fishing boat, and spend the rest of his life fishing. That would be exactly what the enemy would want him to do. And instead of going to the ends of the earth, fulfilling the great commission that Jesus preached at his ascension, don't do that. Hear the rooster, be sucked back into your old conditioning, and go back to the boat. And he's heading back to go fishing. Because Satan, in your life, man, what I'm about to say is so cool. Satan wants to neutralize us. He's okay with you being alive. He's okay with you doing it. But he wants you to be neutralized. He's even okay with you going to church. But he wants you to be neutralized. He wants you to have no productivity from your life. No purpose in your life. No joy coming out of your life because you're fulfilled in your purpose. And due to it, you've been neutralized. How many of you can be honest and say at some season in your life you've been neutralized? He did his job well. My hands are up. But I rebuke that in Jesus' name that we would stay in that. And if that's speaking of you even tonight and you've been neutralized, that is not God's will for you that you would be neutralized and that you would go back to a fishing boat where he's, but instead he should, he's got you in a higher calling. He's got you in a higher calling than being back in your former life. And we're really not talking about fishing per se, okay? Because then I'll offend a lot of people. But he would have loved to have him back in that. But Jesus reconditions Peter in a... I was counseling until service start, and I didn't get new batteries. It's me. So, but Jesus reconditions Peter in a profound way. And, and he, he, in a sense, reinstates Peter three times. How many times does Jesus, I mean, how many times does Peter deny Christ? All right. This is so cool. And so Jesus comes in. He, he, three times he asked Peter a question while Peter's on a fishing boat. He goes back out. He's on a fishing boat. And, and Jesus connects back up with him again. And he asks him a question that when we're reading the text, it kind of gets on our nerves. Like, Jesus, you've already said that. Why are you saying it again? You think it gets on our nerves you should have been Simon Peter. He's frustrated. He doesn't get it. He's angered by it. Like, come on, Jesus, do you think I'm a, an idiot? Uh, that's my terminology, but you read the text. I mean, his response to him, like, come on, Jesus. But he asked him three separate times, do you love me? I wonder why. Now, you can say it's, just whatever. I say this. Jesus really probably understood a person being conditioned 
to react one way, and for every issue where he had failed and been conditioned to react one way, Jesus testing him and asking him a question, let me tell you something. I want to ask you for each time, do you still love me? For from now on, every time that rooster crows, I want you to hear another voice saying how much that you love me and you know how much I love you. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. And Jesus does what he does well. He took that guilt that day and reconditioned it with grace. First of all, Jesus showed up. Out of all the people, but he showed up to Simon Peter, and then he asked him three separate times, do you love me? And I think it's to fix what the conditioning going on in his heart. I think it has a lot to it, but that is one of the things I think that he was doing. I'd never noticed when this reinstatement happened, but John 21 says it was early in the morning. John 21, 4. It was early in the morning when he asked, do you love me? Do y'all know when roosters crow? Early in the morning. And he sets up. I think Jesus reconditioned Peter so that the sound of a rooster crow was no longer the reminder of his guilt. But he has a new reconditioning that goes on in his life. Scripture doesn't say it, and I'm putting stuff in there, and it's just me, okay? But what if... What if when he's asking, there's a rooster crowing somewhere? I'm putting that there. The rest is there, but I'm just putting it there. Just maybe. But even if not at that, we know it's early in the morning. He's reconditioning something that equally happened early in the morning in his life from early on where he is bogged down by all the weight of what was going on. But this brings a reconditioning to him to remind him that the grace of God is way bigger than his worst failure in his life. The enemy wants to remind you of your worst failure. I said it earlier, but I love what Scott Fitzgerald said. He said, never confuse a single mistake with a final mistake. The grace of God, I'm telling this church, turns final mistakes into single mistakes. He reconditions. He turns you around. He gives you new hope. And I'm impressed with the people in the Gospels who put their faith in Christ. But what is even more remarkable about these people is that Jesus is the people that Jesus put his faith in. Come on now. If you was picking a team... You wouldn't have picked these people. If you was picking a team of faithfulness, you wouldn't have picked these. But Jesus chose these type people to put his faith in because he's teaching us throughout his word that I'm in the business of reconditioning. I know what y'all think about them. I know what their worst failure is. I know their, their, all of their failures. But in spite of all of that, I can recondition and get something good to come from Simon Peter. I can get something good 
to come from what we've labeled out of conditioning because it's a way we work as doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas was end up being one of the greatest men in the scriptures. He was an incredible man of God. But our human conditioning keeps him linked in to one knee-jerk reaction that he had at a moment when he just wanted a little more touch from Jesus to prove who he is. And we call him Doubting Thomas. If he is, I am that too. I'm Doubting Keating. But I'm telling you something, that every time, just because I've had moments of doubt, are you there with me? Just that I've had moments of doubt and moments of struggle doesn't mean that the rest of my spiritual existence is locked in to my doubt because he reconditions me and builds me up with faith because if he put all of that into these people in the word of God and put his faith in them, he can put his faith in you and I. He can recondition us. Somebody said amen. Peter messed up, but Jesus didn't give up, I think is the moral of the story. God wants to recondition our guilt with grace, and he wants to recondition our fear with faith. Well, I'm a fearful person. If you have a category in your life where you tend to be a more fearful person, you have to have a negative faith to have fear. Because you're believing in things that probably haven't even happened. It's worry. So if you've got the propensity to have that in your life, you can be reconditioned to be a person of strong faith. Does that make sense? Let's let God take over that and say, well, I'm just naturally a worry wart. Well, man, I think God can take that, recondition that if you'll baptize that in his presence if you'll baptize that worry in his hand, you'll hand it off to him. I believe he can take and recondition that and for you to be a person of faith, a person that, that, that can that lay hands on the sick and they recover and people that you can speak words of faith and be a faith healer in people's life. Can I get a witness? Now, I'm speaking that because I know in this day and hour there's so many people, even in the body of Christ, that are filled with worry and fear. Do you, are you supposed to stay there? Are you supposed to have a, a, a reawaken in your life that you come out of this thing, recondition, your reflexes recondition, that you don't go back to that age-old worry, but you step into a newfound faith and you become a person of faith in God? Man, 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 man. I, I, I know it's Wednesday night, but I'm sure having fun. 1 Peter 5, 8 pictures Satan as a roaring lion. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So here is my advice to you. Don't, listen to this, don't let mental lions, mental lions keep you from experiencing what God has to offer. I should have put that on screen for you. The greatest experiences will often double as the scariest experiences in your life. The defining moments will often double as the scariest decisions in your life. It's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. Maybe it's time to quit running and to start chasing what God. You've always been a runner. Now start chasing after God. He's reconditioning. Satan wants to scare the living daylights out of you. But you have a choice to make. Are you going to let that happen? Are you going to run away? Are you going to give chase? You're going to give chase. You're going to run towards God. 
There are two places in Scripture where we are told to resist the devil. Two, two places, and I'm going to read both of them. One of them will be on the screen. One is First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, and it says, Resist him standing firm in your faith. And he's talking about, obviously, this is not the scripture, but First 5, 8, First Peter 5, 8, resist him, who? The devil, standing firm. How do you do that? Standing firm in your, your faith. But the next one is really what I want to talk about, and that is James chapter 4. In verse 7, it says this, and you know it very well. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word flee in James chapter 4 and verse 7 is the Greek word, and I don't know that I'm getting this right. I worked on this today, but I still don't know that I'm getting it right because I was raised in a part of Houston that everything I say comes out Hispanic when I try to say it in another type of dialect. And so I can try to be British and it comes out a little Hispanic. So even when I do Greek words, they can come out, I can spin them into a little, I'm not beating up on Hispanic folks. I love it. I was raised in it. But, but I want to go fuego. <laughs> and that's not the way you say this Greek word. Um, it also sounds a little Cajun that way too because I got a little of that in me. But it's F-R-P-H-U-E-G-O. And it literally means this. It's the word there for the word flee. And it literally means to run away. Resist the de devil and he will flee from you. When you bring up resistance against the enemy, the Bible says in James 4, 7, he, he's running from you. And, and that's not the way you've been conditioned, is it? You've been conditioned that if you resist him, he's going to beat you up all the more. No, the Bible says he's reconditioning you in your new faith that says, look, if you'll do your part and resist him, the devil can't stay. He's got to run. He's got to go. And so a lot of times we're running, and we should be sending him running. <laughs> we got to recondition that. So we have to be reconditioned for this to happen by the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one that gives us the strength to stand firm in our faith, be reconditioned. I, um, I've been in Lumberton about 16 years. I've been at our current residence about 15 years. And we built our house um, and... The contractors built our house. I just enjoyed watching. But there was one part I was highly involved in, uh, to my demise and to my ignorance, is I was going to paint the house. Now, I have a nice-ass home, two-story. My wife has three little babies. She can't help me. Um, and me by myself... Are going to we're going to I am going to paint this house. It was it was not one of the brighter moments that I look back on and I go, man, I was intelligent for doing such as this. It was new construction, all the putting and oh dear Lord, I just mm, praise the Lord. The 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 many coats and the woodwork and the scaffolding and the nineteen foot ceilings and oh oh Lord, just help me, help me right now, help me. But I was right at the end of the project, 
And I had been on 19, I've been on the scaffolding all up. And that day I had sprayed uh, the entire living room, which is obviously that, Chris, you understand all this stuff, but I'd been up on the scaffolding and I, I was worn out and the, it was literally thick in there with spray um, from, from all the spraying of the walls and stuff. And I was white out. I was, I, was, I was at the bottom. And I had one little part left to do. It's always right there at the end of the job, right? And, and I was on a, a small ladder uh, or a six-foot ladder. I was on the four-foot rung going to the three-foot rung. And, yes, I did. I tripped over the airless spray hose, fell backwards, and passed completely out, snapped my arm, uh, broke my arm. Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It saved me a ton of money to paint my own house, tons of money. <laughs> and, and now, the reason I say all this, that is because I've had to get back on ladders since then. Um, I, and I've never been a person scared of heights, and I'm, I'm still not really scared of heights in that way, but I, I've had to get back on ladders. And what do they say? Get back up on there quick, right? I mean, if you have something like that, don't, don't let fear grasp hold of you because what happens is you're, you become conditioned, and sometimes you say, well, I'm never going to do that again. But I had to get back. I did. Even, even in the, I, I, they put a cast on me, and I was back on a ladder. Because I had to get back on it, and, and, but I learned some things. But I want to tell you, when I f- took that first step on that ladder, and even today, when I get on a ladder, I'm going to tell you what, I think a little bit more clearly. I'm just telling you. Today we were in here, they had scaffolding up, and they had to work on these big vents up there, been making all this noise and getting all that fixed. And I was just, you know, my teeth were going, ah, ah, ah. As some guys up there dangling, and and, but I, I gotta tell you, I would have gotten up there, but I would, I, I get that I'm so much more careful now. I got, I, I'm telling you, I, I think about it. I think about I'm gonna take this step. I think I look down when I go backwards, because it has caused me to think this out. It's caused me to learn from my mistake. But the key factor is you got to get back in the batter's box when you strike out. And sometimes in living for God, we make a mistake and we want to back out of the batter's box. We want to leave the ladder alone. We never want to get higher in God because the last time I started making those steps up towards God, man, I fell right off and I broke all kind of things. I made mistakes. And everybody saw the failures that was made when I fell off the ladder. They saw me pass out. They saw me make mistakes. I broke things. I broke people around me. Am I preaching to you? I broke the people around me. I hurt people in the church. Things went wrong. It went awry. I ended up at the hospital. People, all kind of things happen when you start to grow in some area and you fall off from that area and come down. I'm going to tell you, you stare at everybody that you walk past going up the ladder. You're looking at all kind of failures in your life and you can stop and you can quit and you can never serve in the church again and you can never serve God again and you can walk out of the church again and you can leave out and never come back because I can't Look them in the eye because I have made a vital mistake. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to, is that what you're, that's what the enemy wants to condition you for, to go back to the boat, go back to the slime, go back to the vomit, go back to the junk where you come out. Is that what you want? Or do you want to be reconditioned by the Spirit of the Lord, get back up, climb the ladder, and grow in God again? 
Come on, church. You want to grow in God again. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you want praise if you want to go forward in God? You learn from the last fall. I'm better because of the last fall. When I go up a ladder now, I'm better when I climb it because of the last fall. When I grow in God now, I'm better from the last mistake that I made. i got to grow in God. Every one of us has failures under our belt, but we can't let our failures drive us to a place where it drove Judas. we got to go to the place where it drove Peter. So, go up again in God. Move forward again. Maybe you struggle with the fear of intimacy in your life. Man, I hurt for people in this area. So many people hurt, abused, made mistakes, and due to it, have a fear of intimacy, and so they can't go there in their relationships. You're going to let that kick you out of the batter box? Or are you going to step back in and say, I remit, I was a part of the fault. I got really hurt. Maybe I did a lot of hurting. But don't quit or you will sacrifice intimacy for the rest of your life. Get back in. Maybe it's the fear of rejection. A rejection letter from an employer since you really, a denial. You can't stop there. You've got to get back in the batter's box. You've got to get back on the ladder. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Don't let your fears and failures keep you from climbing the ladder. Get back up on the ladder and recondition your reflexes that this time when you have a fault, when you have a struggle, when you have a, a, a trial in your life, that you're not conditioned to go back and do the same thing over again. But your knee-jerk reaction this time is turning back to God, turning back to trust in Him, turning back to your faith in God. Hallelujah. How many of you love the Lord tonight?